And from Toronto, Ontario, that was Dunai from their first CD. That was the title track, Ob Krujelia Svit, I Searched the World. And at that time, they were uh, living in Ajax, Ontario. And they've since recorded a few more albums, and they're still going strong, doing live gigs in the Toronto area. Again, that was Dunai opening our program with Ob Krujelia Svit, I Searched the World. Dobri den Shinovni Radio Sukhachi, Tavitayovas Vsik na Radio Peredachu Nash Holos, Radio Krinskoho Kurinya, Nachveli CHLY, Stoadeni CMFM Umistina Naimo. Primakrofonitsi Hodenu Yepavina, A Pisia Tsoho, Oksana Budesvame, Nastupni Pivodene. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Paulette Demchuk Macquarie, Pokrinska Pavlina, and I'll be your host for this first hour. Oksana will be here at 12 noon to host the rest of the show in Ukrainian. In this hour, we've got Ukrainian Jewish heritage, and we'll be reviewing some books that we have reviewed over the uh, past couple of years and a suggested reading list for you, and that'll be part two. We've got four more for next week, so check that out as well. We've got a new series. Uh, we've uh, tr- attempted this a couple of times, and uh, hopefully third time lucky, because we have Catherine Olga Cook joining us for Ukraine War Amps Hero a new series that uh, she'll be hosting and we'll be just getting to know her a little bit and also uh, some of her work and the people that she encounters through Ukraine War Amps. So all of that coming up as well as our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest and great Ukrainian music. And uh, coming up next, uh, another new series that we're hoping to launch or relaunch, uh, Nasholos Ukrainian Language School. Uh, So it's still dog days of summer, so uh, we'll just... uh, we won't start anything yet, but just as a reminder that it will. Here is Ron Kahoot and Ihor Baczynski with We Will Eat Kapusta. Kapusta, bitter, hey, kapusta, that's cabbage soup, if you really care, you got your coleslaw, deli style, or creamy will do, or you fry it with zibunya or kapusta for you, singing, we will eat kapusta, we will eat kapusta, you bake it in a casserole or put it in a stew, or you put it in a juicer cause it's healthy for you, some people like to eat Cause they think it's real meat Or they put it in their bush with booty I care that's beef singing We And you slice it if you can Then you put a little oil into a big frying pan You mix it with kubasa and cebulla and spice Now you've just made beagles and a date's real nice Singing We You ain't no friend of mine singing We will eat 
cabbage, big cabbage too Or you grill a head of cabbage on your tacos barbecue You got your big cabbage, middle cabbage, shorter in it all You play with your cabbage or capusta batch doll Singing, we Manitoba, that was Kalena with a song about cottage cheese pierogies, Serum Perohea. 
Up next, UB from Edmonton, and uh, this is a group that's not very forthcoming about what UB stands for. I'm guessing Ukrainian boys, but they're not saying. They just go by UB. Here they are from their first CD, which I happened upon them on a tailgate performance at Canada's National Ukrainian Festival in Dauphin many, many years ago. And uh, here they are now with Zadunayam Beyond the Danube. Ni palička, ja ni ja ne skoču, a 
And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. What greater pleasure than sitting down with a good book on a lazy summer afternoon at the beach or by the pool, on a shady deck, or sprawled out on a lush green lawn? Some books may entertain, others inform, still others edify. But every book enriches the mind. The mind of the reader, certainly, but also the mind of the author, some of whom are inspired by writing a book to write others. Here on Nasholos, through our Ukrainian Jewish Heritage series, we've been fortunate to review many intriguing and fascinating books on topics involving Jews, Ukrainians, and their interactions. These interactions have not always been amicable, and it is a testament to the authors for broaching controversial topics and examining them with sensitivity, empathy, and a sense of fairness. Two years ago, I decided to compile a list for your summer reading pleasure. This year, because we've reviewed eight more outstanding books since then, I thought I'd do it again. So, enjoy! Dave Terrace, The King of Klezmer, by Yale Strom, chronicles the life and work of a Ukrainian-born man who became known as the Benny Goodman of Klezmer. He was the individual most responsible for the development of a uniquely American style of Jewish Klezmer music. From 1925 until his death in 1989, Dave Terrace set the standard. Well-known jazz legends such as Charlie Parker and Miles Davis studied his technique. Yale Strom is himself an accomplished klezmer musician and historian. He is credited as a pioneer in the revival of klezmer. Strom had already published several books on the genre when, by happenstance, he ran into a great-grandson of Dave Tarras in New York. That encounter inspired Strom to write a biography of the iconic musician. Fleeing pogroms in Russian-occupied Ukraine, Tarras and his wife arrived in America in 1920. He got a job working in his brother-in-law's fur shop because he did not think he was good enough to make a living as a musician in America. But within three years, he was supporting his growing family playing his clarinet. He would go on to become the most acclaimed klezmer musician in the United States. During his career, he made hundreds of recordings on labels such as Columbia and RCA Victor. The book contains many touching anecdotes by family members, musical colleagues and protégés. There's newly discovered biographical material, rare photos, the musical scores of 28 of Terrace's original klezmer tunes arranged for violin and clarinet, a glossary of Yiddish terms, a bibliography, detailed footnotes, and discography, plus a copy of a handwritten note by Terrace a few years before he passed away. Dave Terrace influenced several generations of klezmer musicians and will no doubt continue to influence generations to come. In the 1970s, Dave Terrace was rediscovered and came out of retirement to do one last studio recording and tour. 
It was a huge hit with seniors who recalled the heyday of Klezmer. But it also attracted a smaller crowd of young musicians who would form the nucleus of a revival of Yiddish culture. In 1984, Dave Terrace was honored by the National Endowment of the Arts with a National Heritage Fellowship. On the August 24, 2018 episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, I shared the story of Dave Terrace and his wonderful music, as well as this book. If you missed it, or would like to hear it again, check out our audio archive, August 24, 2018. Just search for it on our podcast feed. There's also a link to the audio with a transcript, which you can find at the Nash Hollis website. The book Dave Terrace, The King of Klezmer by Yale Strom is available at Amazon and other booksellers. Jews and Ukrainians, A Millennium of Coexistence by Paul Robert Magotchi and Johannin Petrovsky-Stern is a comprehensive historical account of the relationship between Jews and ethnic Ukrainians, both in Ukraine and in the diaspora. This book attempts to fill the gap of what Jews and Ukrainians know about each other. It begins with an examination of how stereotypes, perceptions, and misperceptions, often based on blatant prejudice, cloud the relationship between Ukrainians and Jews, which goes back a thousand years. The first Jewish settlers moved to Ukrainian lands as maritime merchants from the Mediterranean basin. They settled in the coastal towns of the Black Sea along with Greek colonists. During the time of Kievan Rus, Jews started arriving from Central Europe and settling in Central and Northern Ukrainian towns. There are references to Jewish settlers in the literature of the period. Jews and Ukrainians continued to live together in the land that is contemporary Ukraine for hundreds of years, despite rule by foreign governments. By 1900, Jews made up nearly 9% of the population of modern-day Ukraine, and ethnic Ukrainians 74%. Today, just 0.02% of Ukraine's population is Jewish and lives in major centers. The world of shtetls in Ukraine, with thriving Jewish communities and commerce, is forever gone. This volume is full of intricate information, insightful historical analysis, detailed graphics and maps, as well as very relevant photographs. At times, the detail seems almost encyclopedic, but the writers manage to make each and every section relevant and readable. Those new to Ukrainian studies will learn a great deal about Ukraine's history and culture. Those who have studied both Ukrainian and Jewish culture will appreciate the commentary and the analysis of historical events. Researchers will definitely appreciate the extensive list of resources at the end of this book. Magotchi and Petrovsky-Stern have written an impressive book, packed with encyclopedic detail, while being as easy to read as a magazine. Jews and Ukrainians, A Millennium of Coexistence, is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Bab and Yar, History and Memory, is dedicated to the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of Bab and Yar. In September of 1941, this scenic area of forests and ravines in Kiev, which translates into English as Grandmother's Ravine, became a global symbol of the Holocaust. Once known as the Switzerland of Kiev, today Bab and Yar is synonymous with unfathomable cruelty and unprecedented loss of life. Nearly 34,000 Kievan Jews perished in Bab and Yar at the hands of the Nazis in late September of 1941. Over the next two years, tens of thousands more people, Jews and non-Jews, were murdered there. The contributions to this volume are based on documentary sources and academic research. 
Babinyar, History and Memory, is the result of the collaborative effort of scholars from various disciplines in Canada, France, Israel, the Netherlands, Ukraine, and the United States, working with editors Vladislav Rinevich and Paul Robert Magotchi. These scholars were compelled by the desire to inform the world about the history of these most terrible human tragedies and also to underline the importance of preserving its memory. At the center of the book, of course, is the history of a Nazi crime. But this history is a departure point for a deeper discussion. The book covers the politics of memory and forgetting, from the Stalinist period to the present day, and the cultural memory of Babinyar. Yet there is a generational aspect to the reinterpretation of this tragedy. Every generation does this in its own way, as it must because the past is not some construct set in stone, forever fixed in place. It is instead a dynamic phenomenon open to new discoveries. This book examines some of these new discoveries and the context in which they are reached. It is available in both Ukrainian and English editions. The English edition is available on Amazon. A Journey Through the Ukrainian-Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914 was curated and written by Alti Rodal, the co-director of the Ukrainian-Jewish Encounter. It was originally a traveling exhibition that examined the history and interactions of these two peoples living side by side on Ukrainian lands. The panels featured texts, graphics, photographs, paintings and maps, as well as short videos and recorded music. The exhibit traveled to four Canadian cities between May and September of 2015. In 2018, Alti Rodol expanded on the exhibit's narrative to explore the multidimensional relationships between Ukrainians and Jews inhabiting the lands of today's Ukraine. The book is divided into two sections, Antiquity to the Partitions of Poland and Two Parallel Eras, the Long 19th Century, from 1772 to 1914. The first section examines the interactions of the two peoples beginning in antiquity, moving to the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth period, and concluding with an examination of Hasidism and Hebrew-Yiddish publishing on Ukrainian lands. The issues discussed include Jewish settlement in Ukrainian lands, Ukrainian serfdom, Jewish cooperation with Polish magnates, Khmelnytsky's uprising and the consequences for both Jews and Ukrainians, the Uman massacre, the rise of the Uniate Church, and the rise of Hasidism. The second section of this book focuses on the experience of Ukrainians and Jews in the Russian Empire, as well as the Austro-Hungarian regime up to 1914. It deals with difficult topics such as the pogroms in the Russian Empire. However, it also highlights trends in Ukrainian-Jewish political and civic cooperation. There is a focus on the cultural renaissance experienced by both Ukrainians and Jews during this period. This section concludes by examining emigration to North America. Although this volume may be compact in size at only 169 pages, it is full of relevant information, insightful historical analysis, detailed maps and graphic elements, as well as historically significant paintings and photographs. Readers of all ages will learn a great deal about Ukrainian and Jewish history, culture, religion, economics, and demographics in the land that is contemporary Ukraine. A Journey Through the Ukrainian-Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914 is available free of charge from the Ukrainian-Jewish Encounter in PDF and print at their website, 
www.ukrainianjewishencounter.org. In the next episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, four more books with compelling and memorable stories. Meanwhile, look for this list on the Nasholis blog to add these great books to your library and summer reading list. And do check out Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on the Nasholis website for the audio files and transcripts of the original reviews of these books. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Nasholis Ukrainian Roots Radio. Until next time, shalom and happy summer reading. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook. Welcome to Ukraine War Amps Heroes, a series of stories about hope, patriotism, and courage. These stories are created out of a spirit of caring and support for Ukrainian defenders of freedom fighting Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Jean Berezelsky of Ukraine War Amps brings us the people behind these inspiring stories of triumph over adversity. Stories made possible by the generous supporters of Ukraine War Amps. Ukraine War Amps Heroes is a new series on Nasholis that will share inspiring and uplifting stories of heroism and triumph over adversity. Stories you seldom see or hear on mainstream media. Ukraine War Amps was founded six years ago in Toronto by two Canadians, two men inspired by War Amps Canada and desperate need by Ukrainians fighting Russian aggression and encroachment on their sovereign territory. Today, we are speaking with an American woman, with Ukrainian roots, of course, who has joined forces with Ukraine War Amps to support these heroic men and women in Ukraine. She is a volunteer who has participated in two of Ukraine War Amps' flagship programs, Adopt a Soldier and Visit a Soldier. Her name is Catherine Olga Cook, and she joins me by phone from her home in the beautiful state of Maine. Welcome to Nasholis again, Catherine. Thank you, Paulette. So nice to have you back. It's nice to be here. Thank you. We've had you on the show before, and it's great to have you back again. And uh, we're going to be hopefully having you on on a regular basis, uh, just to let listeners know what our plans are. Um, But first of all, um, before we get into those details... We talked a lot about the the work that you did with Ukraine War Amps when we spoke before, but let's talk a little bit right now more about you and what your story is, um, how you started Ukraine War Amps and, and what your Ukrainian roots are all about. 
So you were born in the States? Yes, I was born in San Francisco. My father was very proud that I was the first American born. Yes, and you you said he emigrated originally to Canada, and that was an interesting yes. story about how he got um, how he how you, he ended up in the states. Oh well, he originally wanted to come to the U.S., and um, he and my mother were living in Canada, and my father, then seventeen years old, decided he had another idea. So shopping trips by bus were very common from Canada to the U.S., so he took a shopping trip. No visas or anything were required. And he went to a recruiter's office, an American Army recruiter, and he said he wanted to join up. He had knowledge of languages, and he thought he would be useful and wanted to join up in the infantry. So they made him raise his hand and enlisted him right then. Thus, he obviously became an American, but perhaps not in a, in a legal way he should have done. My mother did it legally. She waited a while and petitioned everything legally and joined him afterwards. They ended up in San Francisco where my dad was smart enough to know to buy a house. Although he was career military for 43 years, he kept that house knowing he was going to retire. So that was pretty smart. Again, a Ukrainian thought, right? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah. Yeah, But you are in Maine? Yes, that's where my husband is from. I live in Maine. How long have you been there? Very rural area. 20 years. Oh, wow. Wow. Doesn't seem possible. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, congratulations. So, so you've got a military um, in your family. Um, So I guess it was kind of natural for you to have kind of latched on to Ukraine war amps. Uh, How did you first find out about how did, how did it get onto your radar? Well, of course, after my dawn, that stirred up every Ukrainian's feelings. I was wondering, what can I do? And on Facebook, I have a friend who lives in North Carolina, and she was holding auctions for soldiers. So I started with that, and she one day asked me by phone, do I have any idea how we can help these soldiers who are wounded, who have no funds, and must pay for their medicines and everything else? And I'm thinking, well, that would be a great deal of money. And we collaborated and said, oh. Wouldn't it be nice if a bunch of people adopted one and he'd have enough money? And nothing went from that. And it must have been a couple of weeks later that I see one of these little ads on Facebook about Ukraine war amps. So I contacted him immediately and started by adopting my first soldier and a young man from Ivano Frankivsk. And he was terribly wounded in 128th Battalion. And it started from there. Um $50 a month, helped him buy his medicine, pay for his surgery. Soldiers, when they're in the hospitals in Ukraine, if they're not near their families, they have to rely on volunteers to get them food, buy their medicines, buy their bedding, their clothes, anything they need. I mean, the most basic things like razors and underwear and things. So that was the beginning. And when was that? That was in 2015. Okay, so you at UWA had been around for just a year then. And, yes. And so you um, you adopted this your first uh, soldier, and then yes. Then what did you do? Um, I guess you oh. you paid your fifty dollars every month, but obviously you did yes. more. You kept involved. How? What were What were you doing? Met, contacted with him, and then I went to Ukraine. I mean, I can't do things from a distance, you know. Not when I'm so passionate about something. 
I want to meet him and know what he's doing and, and meet other soldiers. So again, contacted Gene. He gave me all sorts of contact numbers. And um, I met Lernia, who was a soldier. And he was very hesitant at first because he told me afterwards that, why would a stranger want to help me? You know, mm. he just couldn't imagine. But once we met with the help of our mutual friend, Nick Burowski, as translator at that time, it was great. I mean, I visited him. I followed his life. I've met his girlfriend before he married her. I became part of his life, and it was wonderful. Oh. It really was. Oh, was that... um, I finally met his mother as well, mm. and she confided to me that she was jealous of me because everything was Mama Catherine, Mama Catherine. So <laughs> when I finally met her, she, she realized that, you know, it was not taking anyone's affections over. It was just feeling such pride in this young man and what he had accomplished and his strength, and I wanted to help. So the jealousy then was real. It was an an insecurity on her yeah. part. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Because this woman can't provide for her son, but this woman across the ocean can. Oh. It was kind of a strange feeling, and I, I'm aware of those feelings now of family members. You know, I don't want to step on toes or hurt people's feelings or anything. Right. Well, so it sounds but, like... Yeah, this is a great a great way then, now that I guess people know about this program mm-hmm. in, in Ukraine. So I guess word gets around in the community and and so, yes. yeah. And the hospitals, yeah. 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 yeah, it just sprung out from there. One of my contacts was a volunteer who spent most of her time in the hospitals. And I go with her and you go into their rooms and they're very small, old rooms. The hospital is very old and four young men in a room, and you go in there, and they're always so pleased to see someone visit. And you say, what do you need? And you're looking around the room thinking, what do they need? They need bottled water. They need this and that. Oh, nothing. We just like company, and nobody Mm -hmm. will ask for anything. Nothing. So you get a little bolder and poke around their stuff Mm -hmm. and see what they actually do need. Oh, yeah. You You mentioned Nick. Budareski, and he's uh, just—he's wonderful. I had the the honor and privilege to meet him in 2015. Gene connected yes, us. Yeah, he told me about that. Yeah, I stopped in Toronto on the way to Ukraine and met up with Gene, and we had a good chat. And he he connected me too with Nick, and he we went to our hospital. This was in Kiev, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, was that the one you were mentioning? Yes, the military, the big military hospital. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. So he took me to a different hospital. Uh, it was a smaller. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, and and the soldier that I supported was uh, Vadim, who was a triple amputee, and he's doing quite well for himself now. He's been outfitted with prostheses, oh, and he's gone to university. He's married and has a family now, and uh-huh. so he's so Ukraine war amps really did well for him. And uh, mm. it wasn't even, and you. It, well, you know what, it was just even for me, it was just a one-time donation. And, you know, okay. so how far that money goes, you know, everybody, we're, we're having trouble now, you know, COVID has, has impoverished a lot of people, but there's still, mm-hmm. you know, no more than in Ukraine. We'll talk about that. You've been in touch with what's going on there. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was just so wonderful to connect with, and understand on a personal basis, you yeah. know, and that's why this 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 series and Ukraine war amps is so near and dear to my heart. It just touched me so much when I saw this brave mm. man, and he couldn't speak 
uh, you can I can't speak Ukrainian much. He can't at all. He spoke Russian, so of course Nick translated mm-hmm. for us. And you know, I was fortunate to be able to put a, do a little video, and that's up on YouTube right now. So now we can do this series and get your stories because you're doing mm-hmm. you've been doing this for five years now. And um, quite the year I've gone, yes. Wow, and so so the visit a soldier is, um, I guess, kind of a an extension of adopt a soldier. Adopt a soldier. Yeah, yeah. If you can't afford to go uh, to Ukraine, you don't have time. You don't have money. Whatever. Of course, nobody can go right now, anywhere. No. So adopt no, a soldier. My flights have been canceled. <laughs> yeah. So it, adopt a soldier is the only way we can go right now. At least the money still gets to people. But, right. But we can find out right now the work that you have done so far. There's a story about one of your visits on the new Ukraine War Ramps uh, website that they've just had yeah. nicely revamped. So if you just go to the Visit a Soldier page, so just scroll down, there's Catherine with Vadim Babenko. So there's a whole story there about about your work. I met him by, by accident, really? actually. Yes. How? Yes. Well... This visit a soldier thing started, um, again, this volunteer from the hospital, Yula, we went on a trip. Many, many cities, we were going to stay with many families, we were going to meet so many people. So our first stop was in Cherkasy, and I stayed in an apartment with a wounded soldier and his family for that first couple of nights with Yula, and we met, and they were cyborgs from Donetsk Airport. And so I met them, and Buddy Moros was, uh, he, he can translate at the time, and he was one of the cyborgs that were wounded. And they started taking me around the area, and that's a big Cossack area with big statues and antiquities and beautiful mm-hmm. land. Mm-hmm. And Jean had told Buddy Moros to, while on our travels, to give the donation to one of the adopted soldiers, Vadim Babenko. And I didn't know anything about him. And we had gone to this little village and stopped outside this this house with a big iron gate. And the iron gate was open. And there's this very small house with a well outside and a family. And the mother was there. And this soldier, Vadim Babenko, and he had a daughter. I think she was six at the time or seven. And his wife. And... My heart just stopped because I have never felt such sadness in my life. They looked defeated Aww. is the word I, could, I can only explain it as. But he had this hollow look and I met him, but he didn't change expression. And the family was all very quiet. And then the mother kind of backed up against her house. And I said, I like your house. And she looked at me and shook her head like, no. And I went over to her and she hugged me, I hugged her, and it's like we didn't want to let each other go. There was no speech. It was just a feeling of this family is special. After we left their house, I found out his history from Vadim Moros, that he was one of those after Donetsk Airport that was on top of a tank, and I have actually seen this video, that, that something happened to the tank, uh, Russians captured them, and the head one was called, I forget his name now, it wasn't Motorola, it was, can't remember, you could probably find that, or I can find that, mm-hmm. and they were so cruel, they lined them all up on the ground, Vadim had sustained a head injury prior to this, 
and you can see them all with their hands on their heads like prisoners. This person cut off their insignia, made them eat it. <sighs> then they marched them through Donetsk where the Russian separatists and the families, the Russian ethnic people were there. And they all had their turns beating those prisoners. Oh. And then they tortured them. Oh, my God. But the commander and Vadim Babenko were released months after. And Vadim was brought back to his home. But for some reason, I don't think I was told, I don't know how true this is, that the, the people in the village didn't trust him because he was taken by Russians and tortured. And oh. there was a mistrust there. Oh. And I always kept up how they were doing and the next time the next six months trip I visited them again with Buddy Morals and they were quiet but they were nice and I just said you know I know um, Ukraine War Amps likes to broadcast when we give money and likes pictures but please just accept this for me from your family and I handed him money and they were just oh you know it was nice and then Next time I went, Vadim won't tell me anything. We went there, and he's got animals. He's got chickens and rabbits and geese, and he's becoming self-sufficient. He had a garden, and he was so proud to show me, and he was showing me everything. And I thought, this is a different man. You know, he's got a little bit of respect now. And lastly, finally, they've bought a house, and it's a beautiful house. They've got a beautiful garden. They still have animals. And the last time I was there, God, I haven't been there since last October. I stayed with them for a couple of days. And they gave me such a wonderful, wonderful time. We talked, we ate, we traveled and and sightsee everything. I mean, and we told stories and we heard of their families and it was just wonderful. And he is so wonderful. What a proud man he is now. And the only complaint I have of him is that he drives so fast. <laughs> he says it's because the Ukrainian rolls with all the potholes. <laughs> he says, if you drive fast, you miss them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, so what long is, story, but. Oh, it's, oh. oh, what an inspiring story. And. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know when we spoke before and I was asking you if you'd be interested in doing this series that you were telling us about um, another one of your adoptees who is in, in terrible need. And uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll share that. His name is Stanislav, I believe. Yes, it is. Yes. yes. I spoke to him just today. We were speaking. Oh, yeah. did you? Okay, great. Well, you know what? In our next episode then of um, Ukraine War Amps Heroes, we'll hear your story about him. And oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, because there is just, um, these stories are heartbreaking, but they're uplifting. and Because you can help. You can help improve not just one person, but a whole family. I mean, when I was there, I was told that 200 American dollars is equivalent to a family's pay per month. So if we're giving $50, we are really, really helping. That's 25%, 25% of their household budget. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's big. I have, I have more stories than you have time for. I mean, I have been fortunate to meet Amazing, brave, wonderful people. It feels so, like going home when I go there. 
<laughs> oh, isn't that nice? Well, hopefully soon you'll be able to return and um, the rest of yeah. us vicariously with you and uh, look forward to hearing about uh, Stanislav and how he has benefited from U- Ukraine war amps and your efforts. Yeah, and the UWA's efforts. I mean, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't know this. This is an amazing organization. That's true. They really are, and they're all volunteers. They work hard. Every every penny yep. that you donate uh, goes to a Ukrainian soldier in need or the f- surviving family in the case of those who perished in the war. So um, That's true. There's nothing... You know, nothing given to anyone in the organization. It's just truly to the soldiers. Yeah, so fantastic yeah. organization. So so thank you so much for uh, agreeing to, to do this series and uh, to share these incredible stories. I'm sure that there will be more if you follow um, uh, Ukraine War Amps and yourself on Facebook so people can see what you share there about your trips and your stories. And, of course, Gina's... Yeah. Gene is always posting, so keep up with with him on Facebook, and of course, bookmark the wonderful website, um, and that mm. and that is where you can go and join Catherine Olga Cook <laughs> and become a volunteer as well. Adopt a soldier you can't visit right at the moment, but you can certainly adopt. And I know that I spoke with Gene about this. If you can't afford fifty dollars U.S. here in Canada, we've kind of got mini dollars, right? So it's <laughs> a little bit more, you know, closer to seventy dollars. But that's, I mean, um, yeah. But that Jean said every but anything yes every penny helps so yeah. whatever you can afford if you can only afford you know ten or twenty whatever they'll take it and they'll be able oh, to put yeah. you know they'll put it into a pool because they have different ways to disperse the money and they go to you know where there is the most need first of all and there is so much right. need so I know you were telling yes, you were telling us that maybe next time we speak you can tell us about what's going on right now with the Russian aggression it's it's ramping up mm-hmm. and of course we don't hear about it so and if, I know and, nobody does here yeah the the need is that much greater so thank you so much for sharing this one story about uh, Vadim and look forward to hearing Stanislav's and other stories in the future so thank you so much Catherine for uh, agreeing to host this series Ukraine War Amps Heroes and I look forward to the next one oh it's my pleasure Paulette thank you very much for having me thank you and thanks to Jean. Yes, absolutely. For Thanks con- to Jean. <laughs> for connecting us. Jean and John, uh, founders of Ukraine War Amps and uh, our new host of this radio series, Ukraine War Amps Heroes, Catherine Olga Cook. And uh, we will be back very soon with another episode.
From Ukraine, that was Tin Sonsia with a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Yihale Kozake, Riding Cossacks. And uh, that song actually was about Cossacks riding into battle of hundreds of years ago. And today they're still riding into battle, not horses, but they are still being killed. So uh, do consider supporting Ukraine war amps and helping those who survive and the families of those who did not. Again, that was Teen Sonsia with Yikale Kozake, Riding Cossacks. Nahadu yu vislukhite radio programu nash holos radio nashoho korinya na kveli CHLY stoadeni CMFM umistina naimo. Tsuhodenu bulaz vame pavlina zaras peradiyu mikrofonu oksani. Ala peritemya kochuiz ala shatavasti kimeslovame mudrostia. Toi kto vidbraja hidnisti čest vid nevenoji ljudene sam opinecija nad bezodneju. And our proverb of the week translates as He who destroys the dignity and honor of an innocent person treads on the edge of an abyss. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo with yours truly, Pavlina. Oksana will take over the microphone for part two of the show today. Please visit our website, www.nashholos.com, where you'll find, of course, the podcast feed, as well as other information about the show, audio archives, transcripts, and more. This is Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. Dozusrichi. Privit. If you enjoyed this edition of Nash Holos, please support the show. Buy us the digital equivalent of a cup of coffee through Patreon. There's a link at our website. Or, what if I told you that you could support Nash Holos by buying yourself coffee? Sounds crazy, but yes, you can support the show just by drinking coffee. Six days worth for $20. Go to www.nashholos.com to get yours. Drink coffee? Support Nash Holos. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.